0: and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes.
1: We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog
0: adventure of your own. It's episode 58. Welcome back to the podcast. It's been another week, and yes, it's feeling really, really fantastic not editing these podcasts. Hopefully, it's gone really well for you guys as listeners, too, and that you haven't minded that Brendan and I have these segments of 20-minute segments, and we go without stopping during them. Have you felt awkward so far, Brendan? Well, that's the thing
1: is most people I don't think realize that you were editing
0: tremendous amounts, Yeah.
1: whereas now we're just kind of breezing through each segment, and we're not... You know, stopping and cutting out every hmm, ha, uh, 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 you know,
0: because we're not, because
1: <laughs> we're really not um, as nervous about it, I guess. We're just getting more refined with we're our
0: 58 episodes <clears throat> in, not yeah, counting we've got bonus good episodes, practice, right? And so, yeah, so, I think by now yeah. Brendan and I both have, you know, applause to you and myself, my friend. We actually got a good rhythm going.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so,
0: I'm really proud of it. Episode 58, and I'm loving that everything's going out on time. So, woohoo! Yeah. Glad. Really glad to be here. Also, want to remind you guys who don't listen to the last seconds or last minute of the podcast, we're doing a contest where we give away three Carson Lumi Loops. Now, the contest isn't challenging, and it isn't even really as fun as some contests, but... Pretty easy contest. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it really helps us out, though. So if you can go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Google and go and give us our podcast, our podcast specifically, a review, then you are entered into the contest, and it's simply going to be that I pick three people at random i just did the contest and one person actually did it yep, and so yep. that one person david hunter has won the carson Lumi loop for last time and since we only had one participant and one winner we wanted to do it again and we're going to do it for the rest of the year so from now all the way through the end of the year so beginning like january 1st i will come out and do a podcast and say hey Check it out. This is the winner of the Carson Luma Congrats, and I will give away three of them. So mm-hmm. if you can give a review on iTunes, then I'll see it. If you give it on Google Play or Stitcher, I might not check it, and so just give me a heads up that you have sent a review there, so I know for sure, and I've, I'm not gonna miss it. If you give a review anywhere else that you can see, that's actually pretty awesome. Just you'll, you will have to let me know where you did it and where you gave the review, because I'll, I'll never find it. There's things like Tune, AM or Tune FM or Tune In. And then there's another one called um, uh, Spreaker. And so. Yeah, there's s- other
1: places picking up our podcast, right? Dozens Just of re- places. And you yeah, can give
0: reviews it. anywhere. It depends on what your third party podcatcher you're using to listen to podcasts is or whatever you guys like to frequent to get these rss feeds that are podcasts so hopefully you guys can find a place give us a review let me know where it is if you do it on itunes you won't have to let me know i will see it Mm -hmm. and we checked it just now and we haven't had any since you know monday's podcast so in 24 hours since it's been out we haven't had any new reviews but that's okay it's only been 24 hours so thanks for doing that david hunter you're awesome for winning the first carson Lumi loop and i hope to give away three more so let's at least get three reviews in this next few weeks.
1: Yeah, we're grateful for the reviews we do currently have. Uh, You guys have been awesome to leave those for us, and we appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Oh, man, just thinking about what's coming up. It is December, and if you guys who were with us last year you remember the December top 10 or your top 10 of 2017 with Jeff Harmon, we did that, we participated in that, and maybe Mm -hmm. we could even have Jeff Harmon again about it. I don't know. I wonder if he's up for another interview hanging out with us on the podcast. I'm sure he'd enjoy it. And so we have what? This podcast has has come out, and you're listening to it on the 11th of December. Then we have the 18th of December and the 25th. Now, no promises, but we are going to have a few extra podcasts come out next week. And so the numbers will change. So I can't say that episode 60 will be the 18th or the, the 25th. And you will just, we're going to try and catch ourselves up to the number we should be at by the end of the year. And coming up, we have a podcast reviewing our own portfolios, mm-hmm. our best 10 each and looking at stuff that we have done and what we've learned for 2017 the the best tips that we've gotten in an astrophotography our best tips that we've caught on to in landscape photography mm-hmm. and just kind of review the year and have a fun time ending it and then talking about our goals for 2018 so there's a lot coming up in the next couple yeah. weeks yeah three it's going to be a
1: loaded month it's Ooh,
0: good. the holidays and this can't wait. Christmas Day, the podcast will come out on Christmas Day, even though it's Monday, because we'll record it in advance and mm-hmm. I'll just wait mm-hmm. and put a little timer on it. So we'll be fine. We'll be golden. So, man, awesome. So, this podcast, we're talking about our trip out with Daniel Lindhart to the Little Sahara Sand Dunes. And this is our mm-hmm. first chance, really, to do sand dune photography with Milky Way. And so, oh, what an interesting trip that was and frustrating at the same time.
1: It was. It was late in the season. And so we only had about an hour, I guess, uh, each night to shoot the Milky Way before the core dipped down behind the horizon. And um, we really wanted to focus on the core. And we could have still, you know, I I mentioned him earlier, we could have still gone out there and stayed later and did more. But it's just not as cool and as exciting as not having the core in
0: there. The area next to the core is still (laughs) rather vibrant and full of stars. But once the core goes down too far and you get a really thin part of the Milky Way, it's just not know. as yeah. I get all elitist about it.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I totally see your point. Um <laughs> here from where we left and met we met Dan, met Dan in Eureka. in Eureka, yeah. Yeah. So there's one spot you could eat there in Eureka, or at least one really good spot, Excuse I me. guess. Yeah.
0: And it was delicious and fattening and terrible. And Dan didn't eat all his fries, which was a tragedy.
1: And the shakes were good.
0: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what did Dan get? We were teasing about his steak, his shake. Sorry, Dan, but we're going to tease you a little bit. He got something that a woman would order. No offense to women. It was just <sighs> offensive to Dan and <laughs> offensive to me as a man was who like was just starting to grow this beard in
1: Oreo mix or something <laughs> yeah. like
0: that, he like mixed strawberry in there for some reason. Why ruin a good Oreo with strawberry, Dan? But it he said I think he reminds, really awesome. it reminds
1: him of like chocolate covered strawberries, and that's what we made kind of made fun of him for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. It's typically, a women because that's that. like a
0: date food. Like, hey, honey, let's have some chocolate covered strawberries, baby. And so he had his yeah. chocolate covered strawberry shake. <laughs> and I teased him, but it turned out his shake was pretty dang awesome and delicious. Yeah, I'm going to
1: try that sometime, actually. Now. Next
0: time we're out there, we're all going to have it. Yeah. Even though we're teasing him right now, I'm probably going to have it next we'll, time.
1: We'll be converted, probably.
0: <laughs> and uh, leaving from there, we could see that the sunset was going really fast. If we wanted to enjoy mm-hmm. anything of the sunset on our way out to the salt, uh, this little Sahara, we needed to find something, and soon. And, man, scouting for something on a road like that is just... <sighs>
1: Yeah, I mean, stressful. Eureka is a few years ago when I was searching Google for ghost towns in Utah because I was really curious to go and explore some of these places. Um, Eureka was on the list. Oh, as, the ghost towns? as a ghost town, because when you drive down Main Street, literally, oh. there's almost nothing open, they're all closed shops. A lot of them are really derelict, roofs have fallen yeah. in. And this is the old Main Street, and there's like, you know, they're really just in disrepair. But That's when true. you come into Eureka, you see like a really brand new, nice school and everything. And so it seems like they're revitalizing the area.
0: People are working out there, and so yeah. people have... Uh, there's still stuff going Tintic on there. is what they call the school there.
1: Yeah, the Tintik is the district or the... Um, so I'm thinking even from yeah, Vernon, like they area. come
0: down there for school. I think the surrounding areas are all coming to that high school.
1: Yeah, I think so. And so it's a really nice school. It looks like it was just built like a few years ago. and um, On Google so, Earth, it
0: has a purple roof. Yeah, Bizarre. it's got a very blue. Yet it's blue it's like when a blue, you're there in
1: person. Yeah, it's like a blue metal roof or something like that. Uh-huh. So it'll last forever, but it's great. <laughs> um, but because of that, because you have that old past of the derelict, run down, old mining town, like it, had, it was a boom town. You know, back in the
0: whatever settling days, was. I guess. Yeah, the yeah.
1: heyday back in the early 1900s, maybe, and uh, mining town.
0: Mm-hmm. And you
1: could see as we pulled over, we found some spots, some old broken down sheds and some old barns like and cement stuff
0: foundations and, of something or other yeah. that used to be there years and ago. these
1: huge deep holes everywhere. Like you found a deep hole. Yeah. it was like, I was like, I was walking through the holes set for the movie holes. It's like there's <laughs> holes everywhere. I'm like, were they <laughs> nice, just randomly dangerous. digging for minerals to see if they could find something. Like what is this hole? Or were all there about?
0: big things there that they pulled out and left a cavern. Maybe it was an outhouse hole. <laughs> were I mean, all maybe around it maybe <laughs> I don't I know right. the history in here. Yeah. This is amazing. Picking up rocks. Oh, these aren't rocks. <laughs> Ancient fecal from 1900s. So we're, we're on the road and we're looking, and the sun's going down so fast, and the only clouds that we have in the sky are starting to light up and become golden. You know that panic sets in every time. Looking for a good
1: composition. Looking for yeah. some, and we still had some fall colors, which was nice. There were so mm, a yes. few trees with some nice bright yellow leaves on them still. That's why we
0: turned off. That's mm-hmm. right.
1: Yeah, because we saw those trees. We saw some rundown shacks, old shacks, and so Dan's like, "This is." good F- pulled around He's in a truck ahead of us we turned and around actually right back
0: yeah oh yeah yeah we pulled over and they're like we should go back to that tree it's yellow because okay. there's a little tiny
1: pullout side road we can pull into and yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah and so we turn around and get in there and i'm already thinking that sunset is going fast i'm not wasting any time hiking up into this area at all but brendan and daniel they kept continuing on up the hill and i took a shot right away at this tree it's fully glowing in gold mm-hmm. and now i'm thinking oh what else can I do with the shot? Is it going to be a sunset silhouette with a tree, you know, in front of the sunset, which is what I started at first. Mm. And it was really golden and I could get the colors to really, really pop. But the terrain below was just boring. Boring. Do you get the brown. road in the
1: road. Do you have the road in the way too? No, or? I actually blocked the okay, road
0: in this position.
1: But we had light poles, a road to deal with. Yeah, and modern another modern society. Yeah, another another mountain of rocks that had been piled up from when they were excavating some of the area. I mean-
0: Like a boring rubble pile. Yeah.
1: It was just like weird gray rock, just piles
0: of it. And so- <laughs> well, The you, gray rock was kind of pretty though.
1: Yeah, but not when it's in just one solid mm. color and this big yeah, tall right. like 100 foot pile. You know, it's just like, eh. So we had that those challenges to work around, but we tried to focus more southerly and not- you know, get anything from the other side of the road. So In
0: the end for the sunset, I feel like I got something that was interesting. And then I tried another shot with me in the tree, actually like pensively holding on to one branch and looking off in the distance. But I never think it, I never <laughs> think I sold it. I never <laughs> think I made it look good. Maybe because I was in the picture, but uh, I kept trying to do something with you it. You did
1: like a 10 second timer or something like that? or
0: Yeah. And then I had it going on, Eight or seven images in a row. Oh, okay. So okay. I'd just be out there posing and then changing my pose and picturing some, you know, German-accented guy. That's really hard to do. I think. Me.
1: Yeah, I think that would take a lot of practice to do. It's a lot easier if someone's directing you. I think.
0: Yeah. You know, I didn't know what was a good silhouette. Yeah, based yeah. on the framing, I was guessing. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes I make the bad silhouette, or I'd hide an arm entirely behind my body, and it looks like mm. I have no arm, and it looks weird. Yeah. So yeah. I was just trying to do some simple shots, and I don't feel like I came out with anything except just that nice pensive feeling of an end of a day where I sat there and mm. enjoyed and appreciated the sunset and I just felt happier because had of it. an apple in your
1: hand. No, I no. wish I had an apple.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had just eaten a bunch of greasy fries, a big burger, and a shake, so I wish I had an apple.
1: So I think Dan and I actually got some fairly decent things. I mean, we found some old pile of wreckage of um, an old outhouse or barn or something. And, um, outhouse. Beautiful it, outhouse. It could have been because literally that hole was as deep as I'm tall. I mean, it was like a five-foot hole. You know, I'm just like, dude. And it was right behind a bush. I'm like, if I would have stepped around this bush, I would have fallen right into this thing. Wait for
0: the nightfall and just Yeah, it would have been, fall. It
1: would have been bad. Um, but I found some some old rock wall that I tried to use as a leading line. Um, we found a few more bushes with really bright leaves on them still. I found a pile of wood from a collapsed barn or or, or shed or something that kind of looked kind of cool. And, and uh, we just wandered around, and I got probably... 10 different compositions and just, wow. and two of them I posted on Instagram. So if you guys are following us on Instagram, you can see from the fall colors. If you scroll down, probably it um, been plenty since
0: then, huh? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you can see, you can see the barn wreckage, the gray wood and the fall colors behind it. It's, it, I think it turned out pretty cool. It was, it was, it was, it was better than I kind of imagined when I was, and get it, it worked out pretty good
0: and, and you guys must have been wandering because i was looking for you the sun has now set the last light has happened <laughs> like After a block away <laughs> i was like where are they i start yelling out hey dan brendan brendan and no one's responding at all and i'm walking back and so i try one more time and i yell out hey guys trying to have something that would be audible and understandable that you could hear that would really penetrate the area that you could I just wanted to tell you, let's go. We have the sun setting now, but yeah, in an hour it's going to be astronomical twilight, and then it's going to set. And now we're going to be in full darkness with only an hour to go of right, Milky Way. Right. It's like we had to still get to Little Sahara. It was like a
1: forty-minute drive from us to the dunes, yeah, kind of thing. And yeah. And
0: we had to f- use all the time we had left after sunset to get there mm-hmm. and get set up before we lose, you know, that window of Milky Way right, time. Right. So I was like, I was getting worried. Like, where are these guys? Are they wandering? So when I called that one last time, no one answered, and I thought, crap, they're really far away and i took four more steps and you turned around the corner like how on earth did you not hear me yelling at the top of my lungs dan you both of you guys said you never heard I, me
1: i think i did hear you but it wasn't very loud and i was already like running that direction anyway so just i like, figured I a, i'm gonna catch you in soon. a minute
0: yeah so i'm th- i'm going through the stress of thinking they're not gonna come and you're actually coming thank goodness too though because once i got to it's the car and you guys feel, are right, right? there it, it was a surprise oh you guys are here now <laughs> And then <laughs> we saw a cop, a sheriff, go zipping past us as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean,
1: this was like maybe 35, 45 mile an hour air zone, speed yeah. zone. He was going like 70 or 80. <laughs> and
0: we're like, oh. Okay. What's
1: going on down there? He's gonna and that's come. the direction we were going. So we're like, well, I <laughs> guess we'll find out what that was all about.
0: And as we kept driving around the corner, and this area, if you're familiar with me talking about the silo in the past, you turn off to the right to go to the silo or keep going straight to the Little Sahara or Delta. Mm-hmm. And we were heading that direction. And we could see in the distance lights. And we're like,
1: oh but, okay. You know, cop car lights,
0: yeah, There's trop- Cop car lights. So that's where yeah. he went. And we went down a hill and up a hill. Just kinda of little those rolling hills that you get out in the countryside. Um, as we go in a dip, we wouldn't see the cop, and we'd come up, we'd expect to see him again, and the cop wasn't there. I'm like, I swear he had stopped okay, maybe he was just passing someone or whatever right. happened. And so maybe maybe he didn't go somewhere. I kept telling Brennan, like, maybe he actually is still there, but we're at a point where he's just dipped to below, below us and we think he's gone, but he's actually still there. So we had a couple more rolling hills and think we'll see him, and no, we don't see him at all. We had
1: quite the discussion about it because we kept <laughs> – we kept imagining we'd come up upon them within just a couple more miles. As and yet fast as he never, went past
0: us and as long ago as We never seemed to
1: be able to pass him. We don't know what was going on. But it was where weird. He, was going.
0: he went by so fast, and yet we started seeing him. So we figured, okay, he must have stopped for us to catch up to him like this.
1: Yeah, because it and looked yet, like he was stopped, especially on that one hill. he was at the top of the hill stopped, and we're going to catch up to him. And when we got to that hill,
0: nowhere. Nowhere. Where is he? We're gone. So we think, oh, he must have just passed a car and kept going. After another hill, another hill, another hill, we realize we're gaining gaining on the cop, and his lights are still flashing. Mm -hmm. Now we're thinking, how on earth and why on earth are his lights flashing if we're going faster than him at like 60, I think we were going Mm -hmm. at that Mm -hmm. point? And when was it that we realized what was going on? Almost to the very end of it, we realized what was happening. Yeah, when we, we couldn't believe. So what we, when we
1: saw Dan was in front of us, and we saw his brake lights come on. We could still see the flashing lights about three or four cars in front no, of him. No, not
0: all the way stopped though, because we realized while we were still driving. No,
1: we were going really slow. So we that's why. That's than we came up with, We come up. Came up across a couple of cars. He slows down. We see his brake lights. We slow down. And now we're starting to go pace at like 30 miles an hour kind of thing. This is the
0: weirdest thing ever.
1: And it was like we were going 30 miles an hour for like two miles. So now we're thinking. It seemed like
0: forever. The cop must be trying to keep us from going forward because there's something up ahead.
1: Right. We thought maybe there's a fire or something that he was slowing us down to prepare us for or something. in
0: the road that another cop was removing from the road. And so he didn't want us to crash into that cop. Yeah, it was... All kinds of theories, right? We're and then we noticed that he's out. not the front car. There's a one car in front of him.
1: Yeah, because we finally got to a hill, a vantage point. We could see in <laughs> front of him, and there was a shadow of a car in front of him, and he was literally on their butt with the lights, and we're like, okay, what is this
0: all about? Is this the slowest car chase in human history?
1: <laughs> it totally seemed like it. <laughs> and so we finally got to this one point where it's kind of a straightaway, and all of a sudden we see this... It looked like smoke or dust or something
0: flying like, oh, out. Oh, there's the fire.
1: Yeah, we're like, oh, maybe that's the fire. Maybe that's what was going on, and maybe who, what was their car doing? We don't know.
0: <laughs> Still trying to figure out why we. And then we see some headlights
1: out on the left side in the bush. Yeah, these headlights, and then they turn off, and we're like, what was that? <laughs> and then everybody stops and then we're Everyone all stopped stop. and then we're just like having a tailgate party.
0: Dan even comes out of his truck and tells us what he could see from his vantage He's point. He's like, you guys see that? We're like, no. What do you mean? What well, What what'd you see? He's like, that cop was following that guy the whole time. And then that guy suddenly turned off the road and jacked. A 90, degree, a hill. Yeah,
1: 90 degree turn
0: <laughs> beelined it for the desert
1: And like, went what?
0: to go as fast as he could To drive through there And then he crashed Or just came to a complete stop ran into a tree or I
1: don't know something
0: And so he The dust and everything we saw Was him digging through all the sand and dirt And everything As he just went 80 miles an hour It seemed like through there. <laughs> <laughs> But then only went 20, 50 yards yeah, And yeah. came to a stop And the cops got his gun out Everyone's training their gun on this guy And it was action for the next 10, 15 minutes
1: Yeah, it was nuts. And then some other guys, other cops showed up. Everybody's (laughs) getting out of their car. We're all starting to talk about it. And, and, um, We got it in the video, didn't we? Didn't we do a video? We tried.
0: Remember, I accidentally hit the volume control button and the video stopped (sighs) recording. So I recorded Dan explain the whole thing and then we had to redo that and fake it and it just never really turned out that great. We will have a Photog Adventure video for this Dune trip with Dan and so you will catch some of that story, but Mm -hmm. not really. Not like how we just described it because we didn't understand that we should be filming the slowest car chase in history that was causing eight or nine vehicles now to follow a cop who was following a guy who then went crazy, drove off the side, of the road and made this huge jump over a sandy bed of a, I don't know, what do you call those little short hills off the side of the road? A berm or something? He drove over a sandy berm and then (laughs) came to a stop. He was drunk. He was a drunk driver. Yeah, and
1: I think as we were discussing amongst the drivers, it's just like, I think it's just the local drunk, local guy (laughs) that the cops knew he was out there. They just tried to pull him over and he just wouldn't pull over. From the
0: moment we first saw him, at first saw the cop car, that was where he tried to pull the guy over initially and he had to keep following in the For miles.
1: Way. He was just going super miles slow, and, and he would just not pull over. So here we so are. It's only a two-lane road, too, so there's not
0: many options. No, we couldn't pass them. We had to wait behind the right. cop. And it was eating up all the time we had up until Astro and Twilight, <laughs> and then finally full darkness. I think once we had finally arrived at Little Sahara, which once we got past that incident, it, it was, was just like five more minutes of yeah. driving. I was yeah. like, oh, we are almost there. That sucks. And so we get there, and it's, already full darkness and we gotta hurry and get up into the sand dunes and get going and capturing our shot
1: so we didn't have any time in, the, in any other light light situation to get to, to learn the terrain at all to see visually what we're doing we basically had to walk up there with our flashlights and try
0: to map out as much as we can with our flashlights which wasn't very good now hoping to get a good composition
1: but there was hordes of people there.
0: So many people. It was
1: unexpected.
0: There's just completely too many people out there. I mean, we want to talk more about that. Let's take a first break of the podcast, and we'll come back, talk about the really terrible timing of going out here during this weekend oh, with yeah. Dan. Yeah, uh, The dunes were just far from slow, far from empty, like you thought, in the cold weather. But we'll come right back. We'll talk about that. Okay. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We are talking about doing dune photography, sand dune photography with the Milky Way. And we went out on this weekend with Dan to Little Sahara. What was that? December? Mm -hmm. uh, We figured out the date. What was it? It was October or September? It was definitely October, right?
1: It was definitely October because it was cold, man. It was like 45
0: degrees outside. And that's what we were thinking. Chilly. No one's going to be out here. It's 40 degrees. Why would people come out mm-hmm. here? But apparently it was a weekend for the school systems where everyone's off for a longer weekend. And so families were thinking, man, it's a lot warmer than it's going to be in the future. Here's our last chance. And, man, they really filled up Sahara. Something like that. I mean, it was
1: only an extra day. It wasn't like a four-day weekend. It was just a three-day nah. weekend.
0: Three-day weekend, and people were filling the place. Yeah. Yeah. And so out here in this area, it's called Little Sahara. A lot of dunes, really nice, like tall dunes. People are taking Can-Ams and ATVs all over these things. And they're they're free to just kind of drive over everything. And then there's small roped off areas. And that's where Dan said, okay, I'm going to get you guys out here to the small roped off area where we can capture the Milky Way from that spot. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't like it from the moment I saw the small roped off area. It was just too too small. And no matter what we did, we were going to have the visual of the cordon, the ropes that were roping everything off in our shots. Right, right.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering if we just need to go out there sometime where it's just, you know, the middle of the night and go out in the middle of the whole place or maybe off to one of the extreme edges, you know, where there's less less traffic, less, less tire road, you know,
0: tire tracks and stuff like that. Right, you gotta figure that in the spring or earlier summer, where we have the three o'clock, four o'clock a.m. Milky Way, Mm -hmm. it's going to be wide open to us, right? Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. So the problem we ended up having is because we preferred being out there in the middle of everything else, we were trying to take our shot, but I was too panicked that these people, I mean, we're standing next to a 30-foot-tall dune, and we're in this small, tiny uh, valley between two dunes, the little little Mm -hmm. drop-down part, and so we're dealing with the chance of anyone come flying off the top and not seeing us until roughly it's too late. There's not breaking... On the same I <laughs> was a favorite
1: to get run over, yeah. <laughs> we we'll have some ATV drop on us from, you know, yeah.
0: So out there, Dan and you were setting up your camera, and I'm standing up on the top of the hill giving word, okay, they're coming. Oh, wait, no, they're not coming. And no one had a pattern. There wasn't a trail to go. You could go no. any direction. So people were really er- erratic and turning, and you never mm-hmm. knew when they would make their way towards us.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't like the best uh, case scenario. You know, it's not the typical serene, you know, nice and pleasant uh, alone situation that you're used to in your, especially astro. I mean, landscape photography is one thing, but astro, you're even more alone, but this
0: time was just absolutely not the case. And out here in the dunes, you're expecting to get that kind of, or you're hoping, you know that there'll be some tracks on dunes and you're expecting Mm -hmm. that, but maybe you'll find a pristine surface that hasn't been trod on since the last windstorm shaped it again. And we were hoping for that, but man, we weren't getting that. We did find areas that the sand Mm -hmm. was untouched but we were just in a situation constantly worried about. So we always had one of us on the lookout while the other ones were setting up their shot, getting their focus, setting up the light. When I was setting up the light, Brendan, you guys were having issues seeing the light on our one subject. Can you describe, go ahead and describe that scene and everything. Cause I was out there at the light and just following your guys' lead.
1: Oh yeah. So we found, um, part of the barrier was actually like some crisscrossed, um, wood pilings and those were kind of making a, like a makeshift fence to kind of show like a no-go zone for the uh, ATVs. But the we saw a small tree on the top of this hill that we could get in our shot. And so we sent Aaron out there to try to light it. But it was very difficult to, uh, to try to get the appropriate amount of light on it. And it was just... I don't know. It was just kind of crazy. It's one of those situations where we really, really need to be there in the daytime to really um, plot out our composition because finding it at night was a lot more difficult as practically you could imagine. Impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the tree was really cool and it could have worked out, but it was so far off and it was so small that it actually. We would have either had to get closer to the tree, and then we had had the chance of getting run over because the tree was definitely in a high traffic area. So you know, we just kind of did the best we could. I got some long exposures shots of some um, lights, these bright LED lights from the ATVs driving by and stuff. And so, did that look cool? What did
0: co- it end up doing? Did it have a hot spot? I mean,
1: it was kind of cool, but it was just kind of blah at the same time. I wasn't really that
0: excited about the shots
1: after reviewing ah, them. So,
0: gotcha. The no. situation I was finding odd is that in this lighting of the tree, unlike most subjects where we overkill the light too easily, you guys were begging me to turn it up. I'm like, Um, really turn up the light? How are you not seeing this? I'm standing there and seeing that it's hitting the tree. And I don't know if it was mm-hmm. the shape of the tree where the leaves were receiving it and how you guys were always seeing the shadow side. And so you couldn't tell all the light that I was throwing on this tree. We ended up going to the point where we turned it on full blast over there by the tree, about, what, 20 yards? 20 yards away, maybe 40? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe 40. I mean, it was really close. And I normally don't put it that close for for fear of being in frame and blowing out the shot. But even when I looked at yours and Dan's images, because classic Aaron, I have not had a chance to process this, i I didn't see a lot of light. It didn't seem blown out at all. No, it was barely registering. And that's why we were just like,
1: hey, this is not light enough still and uh it was just um you know, one of those things that was completely completely unexpected, and then it was just a lesson in
0: futility. It felt like for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And once you guys found that little fence, the little two posts that were in there, that gave some interest to the shot, and Dan's mm-hmm. image turned out pretty well. It was interesting, but as far as lining up leading lines towards the tree or balancing the composition, everything was so middle heavy. Even that post mm-hmm. thing was on the like middle to the right third, kinda and the tree was in the middle, and the Milky Way was right above it, and the light pollution out there in Delta was underneath and around the tree. There was just nothing else. And when I lit as far away as I did, I really wasn't shining on your foreground dirt or sand. There was just nothing in that sand that was getting lit up all that much except for the residual light of a long exposure.
1: Yeah, and so we tried experimenting a little bit with my flashlight, um, with my headlamp kind of turned a way to give some soft, you know, backlighting and we played around with that a little bit but, you know, for the most part it was
0: very difficult to to try to achieve a a good shot there so right so that night kind of felt like a bust right before Mm -hmm. we got to the very end of the night finally we almost got hit by vehicles there are two can-ams and what's awesome is that the can-ams require flags during the day so these big flexible flags waving off the top of them that are extra tall so that people who are you know on the other side of the dune see the flags first and not find the you know the can-Am too late when they're coming right. and turning their corners since, like I said, they're going in this erratic pattern. There is no path. There's no guaranteed path everyone's going to go. So they were required to have those flags and these guys, they had extra cool LED lights going up and down like lightsabers on the back of their ATVs and uh, Can-Ams and it looked really cool. Yeah, really cool. cool. It was awesome. I I wished that I wasn't out by the light when they came by at that point so that I could have my camera and turn it on and do a long exposure of car trails. But they ended up seeing us just in time, saw you and Dan over there as you guys turned on some light. You had a flashlight or something you turned on, Mm -hmm. tried to make Mm -hmm. yourself very obvious. Hey, we're over here, we're over here. And they stopped, thought about it, and then turned and went up the ridge of that sand dune behind you and went away. So uh, it wouldn't have been as interesting as... Trails as it could have been. Imagine yeah, if you were yeah. up higher and filmed them go on their whole trail. How cool that would look! Oh, it would be amazing. And unfortunately, we
1: didn't have any opportunity to plan that out or or anything. That would have been really cool to do. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, next time we go out there, we can go out in the spring or summer, and we can maybe talk to some of these guys. And so, when it gets dark, we can say, hey, you know, if you guys just, you know, we can coordinate with them. I bet they'd be cool with that, and uh, they'd be a lot more interesting picture i
0: think even better we get you a can-am fitted with awesome lights dan and i are up there with our tripods and having to rob ryan out there with us i mentioned these guys cause they're okay down here a lot and then we just release you go brendan make something awesome yeah. it's kind of like steel wool photography but your right. two light strands bouncing around and going and eric pare it up out there on the sand dunes that'd be cool
1: I'd be okay with that. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You have no problem. I'll set my camera up for a time lapse and then I just go for it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So that night felt like a bust and classic photog adventure method of how you spend the time in between work is movie time. I mean, we always think, oh, let's go to a movie. (laughs) And so we were so close to our home. We told our wives, we're out here for the weekend. We'll be gone for Saturday night and maybe Sunday or Friday night for sure. And maybe Saturday night, most likely just Mm -hmm. Friday and Saturday and not going into Sunday too much. We say goodbye and everything. And we left. And then we were... I mean, once we decided we were going to go into Pace and Spanish Fork area to find a movie, we were practically home. And when the movie didn't work out, we just went home. It was a weird photog adventure because we went out, stayed out really late, and slept in our own beds, which was kind of nice. Because the sun set early and
1: dark was early, we actually got home around midnight, which was awesome. Yeah, the Milky Way was long gone, so we didn't
0: have to wait too long for that. So we were to go to sleep at a decent time even, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So Dan couldn't join us the next day, but Brendan and I wanted to try an area out near your family. What's the story there out in that spot? So we went over to the dunes or by Delta, which is a still an extension
1: of Little Sahara. It goes a little bit further south. Those dunes actually um, come and go um, all, all a little bit more south of that area. And um, there's a few towns in between, like Delta and Oak City. Oak City is where my grandparents uh, lived. So if and, you were to uh, stretch,
0: like, the entire map and say, here's the southern tip of these dunes, here's the northern tip of these dunes, technically Delta crosses right through there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there's actually a road that goes from Delta to Oak City, which actually cuts the small sand dune area in oh. half. And so um, the dunes aren't, like, accessible and aren't designated as Little Sahara in this area yeah. but they're open blm land as we noticed we talked to those guys that were the ranchers there and they just said yeah i mean we just drove right in and there's a dune and we could drive around it and do whatever but you know they didn't really care as long as we weren't like you know
0: messing anything up so yeah exactly we weren't tearing things up and we weren't crazy he found out we were photographers and thought okay i mean if this is what you want to do milky way photography tonight sure whatever floats your boat <laughs> weirdo yeah
1: they were (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) so uh yeah it was good that you got to talk to them and just tell them that we were here and they were totally fine with that so it was kind of cool so
0: and that area Um, oak city you were saying that your family somehow has some history in oak city
1: yes my grandparents lived there and uh we traveled as kids between oak city and delta all the time we went to go visit them so i've always known about these sand dunes that were there and so, if any of my cousins are listening right now, they're gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, the dune, the dunes on the right when you're heading back home, you know, from Delta. So, um, <laughs> the dunes on the right. And I, and I had a feeling that it was accessible, and so we pulled right in, and there's a there's a fence along there, but then there's an opening, you know, for the cattle cattle guard, and you can just drive right in. So we're like, yeah, sweet. That's just what I thought. Awesome. So. Um, that worked out. We got to fly the drone a little bit. That was
0: awesome. That was the best and, part is uh, that we could fly the drone. Most places we yeah. go, we can't fly it. Right. Which is just, just ridiculous. We, <laughs> you, you guys know our feelings on that.
1: Um, we're, we're pretty much in compat, in incompa- What's the, what's the word? Um, Incapacitated? Or no, incompatible. No, not incom- incompatible. Incompatible? Ah, anyways. Now, anyways, simpatico, simpatico. We're basically simpatico with the way the Norths feel about drone rules. They're just stupid. So, <laughs> oh, um, <I> see. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we had this uh, cool area. We could fly the drone around. There's there's three or four pretty big dunes out there. And I think that if we um, – I think we figured out there that um, a springtime Milky Way would be kind of cool because we're facing away from the city lights, right? Yeah, we, went, and we, we had a chance. And follow that leading
0: line. Exactly. Uh, We had a chance out in this area to go during the day and scout it, see the dunes, recognize what's going on with them. And then we go through this situation of scouting and planning where the Milky Way is going to be. And then find out when we get there that night that there's a ton of light pollution right behind this spot. Even though it was away from Delta, it was a major road. A lot of cars passing behind us. A lot mm-hmm. of cars passing in front of us. And those cars lit up the dune some and lit up our area. It was more light pollution underneath the core than I expected.
1: Because mm-hmm. the core was so far to the west,
0: right? So Yeah, it was west, um, very southwest.
1: So I think... Going back there in the spring um, could be really cool, and we might be able to find something that will work um, for a cool dune Milky Way shot there. We'll be facing away from the city lights. Um, We might even be able to drive further on that dirt road that those um, ranchers were on and find other dunes
0: that are even further away from the city lights. So. And we were excited about this area because when we had the trestle chance to take people out for a workshop to the trestle, we saw how it wasn't accessible for everybody of all right. ages, all conditions. And it was just – that was disappointing because it's such a cool f- – foreground for a Milky Way but then to be Mm -hmm. so inaccessible for some people it felt very unfair so we're taking the trestle entirely out of our workshops a two-on-one workshop if you guys ever want to join us out there in that area for a two-on-one workshop that'd be awesome let's do it but as far as a whole group of 12 people that's not going to work out not great and so we're looking at Delta to try and add it into the Silo and local rural Mirror Lake area so Mirror Lake Silo and going out to this dune would be pretty fantastic for a few nights if not just two nights of milky way photography Mm -hmm. so we were Mm -hmm. very excited to do that and check the area out we found a restaurant even that we liked and we're thinking okay this is accessible it's safe hiking through it is harder on your knees than you want it to be because you're going and trudging through sand but i mean if someone wants to go to a dune um this is going to be the case no matter what dune it is and so we're thinking about it for a workshop, and I, I'd say it's still completely off. It, it's not going to work out until we try out some more spring and then see if it's just right. Yeah,
1: so I'm interested in seeing what a panel would look like in this area and maybe even, um, you know, somehow get a, a wider view or hmm. or maybe just focus on a smaller dune, maybe not so much the big dune. But there's, there's a little variety there I can see from the drone footage. There's a few dunes. Um, besides the big one we are on, and so it'd be kind of cool to explore the area some more.
0: Be interesting maybe to have something that lights up the dune, so you can recognize it as dune and not just another shape of some rock formation and being yeah. dune-like. And the thing is, is this is what we were talking. This is what we're going to talk about today, anyway. Is that I really looked forward to seeing that sandy texture leading up to the Milky Way, and I could yeah. not pull it off. I no, it was really difficult. Yeah. So, so I
1: think what we might need is bigger lights maybe for that area because those dunes were so big. It might require bigger, bigger or
0: multiple something because mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest what didn't go well for me in dune photography is that I was in a location that was interesting for the purpose of being sand dunes. But none Mm. of my images were coming out taking advantage of the fact they're sand dunes. I didn't have the warmth of the glow across the sand dunes. I didn't Mm. have the light. We tried several times, guys. Like our typical positioning is here's the camera. We're looking up our leading line of this ridge going up the sand dune to the Milky Way core. That's still high enough to be seen over the top part of the sand dune, even though being in a valley. So we were looking at a really cool leading line that went that way. As long as we light painted over here on the left and we're really shining a lot of light on this surface, or at least as long as a light source is coming perpendicular and making that ridge pop out. And no matter Mm -hmm. what we did, we could not get the ridge to pop out or things were just terrible. I mean, my list of things that I didn't like about it is that if we were keeping the sand that was in front of the camera lit, we weren't getting any of the top part of the, of the dune lit so it was just right, in darkness right. if we went for the dune to have that side thing it only kind of covered part it only kind of stretched through the ridge a little bit and it never seemed to really draw that harsh line between this side of the dune and that side of the dune was yeah it- we
1: couldn't if somehow somehow it just like faded into softness yeah. at the ridge and we're like what the heck man this is a hard ridge
0: how did it It was not really go- frustrating we, we i don't no. think i have a solution as to why it
1: didn't work Do you Yeah, I I don't know. Like, there's got to be some kind of um, lighting situation we can practice with. But we realized that night that there's a lot more to night doing photography than just setting up a light and shooting. (laughs) Yeah, it's true.
0: And we have a lot of experimentation to do basically to make that look good. <laughs> the thing that I want to talk about in tip of the week will be some of the fixes for this, so I'll hold back. And this is some of our prediction for fixing, and we'll sh- talk we'll talk about it then. But more of the story of the situation is Brendan was trying to move the lights up close, up next to our camera, really mm-hmm. far away, so that it spread further. And at full blast, this FNV light did not do the job. It's like the furthest it got, further it got, the softer it ended up hitting the edge, and we never had that nice sharp one edge is lit one edge is not here's the nice line that's created by the lighting it just never happened yeah
1: so i'm i'm not sure what to, to do but maybe we could use the drone to our advantage maybe the drone will let us get in there and uh maybe we can fly a light we got that cool little square cube light yeah, now we can try interesting
0: yeah the litra Yeah, we're going to do a review on this Lytra. By the time you guys hear this podcast, we won't, I don't think, have the unboxing video of it yet, but it'll be up tomorrow. And so you guys can see the Mm -hmm. Lytra light we're talking about. We we feel like we had a rite of passage. Um, Actually, let's talk about that in gear time after yeah, gear yeah. time. And just out of okay. the norm, I'm gonna pull the tip of the week to right now because it's all about what we're talking about and it'll be weird to hold it back. So let's just talk about it now. And this isn't a tip. This is an Aaron King and Brendan Porter suggestion as maybe what's going on. And you guys, you guys can let us know what you do to make it work because some of you have awesome shots that aren't daylight. They're actually lit and tell mm-hmm. us what did you what did you do to make it work? because here's what we're thinking the answer is multiple lights like Brendan already hit so that we can cover the entire shape of a very big dune. That was a lot harder to cover than I thought. Yeah. And if it's close like we need to, where it's close to the light and that really, really hard, harsh light, it helps it have the contoured lines of each little sand ripple, the ripples of sand. Mm -hmm. And so it needs to be close, and that makes it even harder to spread that light out. So multiple lights so that they can be close. And for the first time ever... I'm thinking I want the light behind the camera. Normally we don't like that, but because where the dune ripples are, it kind of dictates where you put the light so that you cross light it so that you get a dark and a light side. And I think in the ripples in that area, the way that they went behind us and trailed up the hill, I think only from behind could we actually cross light that. And I know that at one point you got it, but when we took the picture – it wasn't spreading out far enough to make the whole image great. Instead of focus stacking, right. we, we needed to light stack. And actually light stack with our constant light source, our low-level lighting source, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, because it's almost like a 45-degree angle from behind us would be great, right? But then the fall-off was so great that it, it just faded into nothing, and you didn't really have lines going up very high. So, yeah, it, yeah, like I said earlier, there's lots of experimenting to do because we – couldn't make anything really work very well
0: at all with one light. So I guess in essence our tip of the week is try areas you normally wouldn't put it and base it off of the shape of the sand ripples. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of an obvious comment based it off of that yeah we put it on the left side of the tree when it was out there lighting the tree because we're trying to bring that contrasting the right light and dark on the tree we, we go to the side right. of like a Bryce Canyon Pinnacle we put it to the right of something out in Escalante it just makes sense for us to put light there to light the trestle to light everything sand dunes even though they're in front of you and you see these lines, their ripples have such an interesting direction that they go that if the light crosses it at the wrong angle, these things get washed entirely out. There's no shapes. Yeah. There's no shapes yeah. or patterns. So Yeah, so it's a challenge for sure. It really was. And to top it off is that we were trying to test an area out when there's only one hour of Milky Way core. And with only one hour of core showing, it's just uh, – it, I, I was stressed. And not really stressed, but I was anxious as I went through thinking, I just lost 20 more minutes of this Milky Way core, mm, and it's already tipping, mm-hmm. it's already getting lower every second, and, and so it made me more hasty. Despite the fact that we actually had time to scout during the day, we needed to scout it at night with the lights and see what happens.
1: Yeah, that's something we definitely were not prepared for, so...
0: <laughs> no we were not and so let's go ahead take our last break of the podcast we'll come back we'll do the gear time talk about this light thing and do a listener photo adventure and end out the podcast okay Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're in the last segment where we feature you guys or give you tips or gear time to focus on how we can help you guys and not just tell stories. And we're going to start with a listener Photog Adventure from a new listener. Actually, you know, Zeralda might not be a new listener. It's just she showed up on our radar just, I don't know, a week ago. December 3rd is when she posted this. Mm -hmm. So a Mm -hmm. week ago she showed up. Subscribed to the YouTube channel, went on to Patreon, jumped in as a patron. Thank you so much, Zeralda. And she posted a message there on Patreon. And Brendan had a good idea where we bring in more of our patrons and feature what they talk about there. It's not a busy topic. It's not a busy forum like you would have at the Facebook page. So it's really the Facebook friends, the Facebook group is really where you can hang out and talk. But she posted an awesome image and shared it. And so we want to talk about that adventure. She doesn't have yeah. a ton of story behind the adventure, but Brendan knows the picture. It, it, it's a crane. And there, there's probably a – okay, this blackbird is not a crane. It's just a black duck or a dark-colored duck in the swampy area. It's, it, I don't think they're mangrove trees, but it's in an area where these trees are all growing out of a muck of a swamp. And it's so neat just how there's multiple cranes in trees, white cranes, really white cranes Mm -hmm. in trees of no leaves. So it's winter or end of fall and all the trees are ghostly and gray and everything's ghostly and gray. So the white, the white, white, white cranes are standing out like crazy. There's two sitting on the ground in the trees. There's three. And then there's one that just must have taken off. Just barely, and Zerelda caught an amazing shot of this crane reaching into the sky. And it's funny how we call this the spread eagle when we do it with our hands, but this <laughs> crane's doing the spread eagle, and it looks like it's. There's no chance it should be up in the air. How it's standing and how it's are standing. How it's spread out, floating in the air, in between flaps and beats of its wings. It looks like it just rocketed into the sky straight up. Yeah,
1: it's really a great shot. I mean the timing was perfect and I can only imagine what it took to get to this location. I mean, I'm I'm betting that this yeah. is probably I mean it's pretty swampy looking, so I'm betting it probably wasn't the easiest thing to get to. And it's probably not right off of a dock that she's I mean, I I might be a little disappointed if it was right it, off of a it dock. It could be
0: the pathway or something, yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean maybe it is easier than I think, but but um but just it looks seems so remote and so like uninhabitable that i would assume that
0: most people don't get out to the spot to take pictures and to have these really cool stand out from the dark gray gray background that these white cranes are is just so perfect. I, I'm i assuming that Zerolda knows the area, has been out there multiple times. She called it an mm-hmm. area in South Louisiana. And um, did she say where right. it is? Not exactly, just that it's a primary wildlife here in South Louisiana is what she does for photography mostly is wildlife photography. And so she knows the area and wildlife photography. I haven't done it, but I already know it's about timing. It's about knowing the animals and their their, their patterns, their habits. Yeah, yeah. And so she knew where to go, what time to be there. And I just love that she has this crystal clear, completely looks focused, entirely crane that I shouldn't give that. T- it's it's in the distance enough that I think there's some softness to it, but the overall image is what's f- impacting. It's not that it zoomed in on the crane and it's crystal clear on the feathers. It's that this thing is in here in between all these other ones are six mm-hmm. or so cranes, and this is coming out really awesome. The size of it, the shape of it, Ah, it's a cool shot. I wish I could say I want to get one like it, but how do I make this happen ever again? I don't think you do.
1: I think it'd be awesome to go out there and try um, something new like that, that in that kind of area, that would definitely be a new challenge for me. And I think that'd be really fun to
0: do. Absolutely. zeralda has got me thinking and I'm excited. She said, if we're ever out in Southeast Louisiana, look her up and she's ready Southeast, just south, south Louisiana. Southern, yeah, she's ready, so that'd be awesome. Yeah,
1: because an area like the Geverglades, that swampy area, would be so cool. I mean, it's just so
0: full of life in those kind of places, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I barely know what it's like. I have no idea. I've never been out there.
1: It makes me want to go out there with a big, long zoom lens, like
0: a 500 millimeter. Something like that to really play with. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in. That'd be such a sweet adventure. So thanks for sharing that, Zarelda. I know that you weren't necessarily Mm -hmm. intending it to show up on the podcast, but we just liked it so much. We wanted to, and I hope you're listening to it right now because thank you so much. This is a cool picture. I'm going to post it, everybody, onto our show notes. If you go to photogadventures.com forward slash EP58 at five eight if you go to that you'll see the show notes easily or you just go to photoadventures.com main page you'll see the show notes on the top right most likely if you looked right away you'll see it in the top right very top right in that sidebar otherwise along that sidebar sidebar or anywhere on the website you'll see it pretty quickly so it should be no problem to find the show notes where i will post this tomorrow right now we're nice. finishing up before we take off on monday and so i won't be able to have this out if you listen to it tonight and you don't see it forgive me it's going out tomorrow And so, awesome shot, Zeralda. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to have you. Yeah, really, really cool. So, for gear time, Brendan, we already hinted at it. Let's talk.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that Lytra torch
0: that we got in the mail. Um,
1: That thing is really pretty cool. Uh, We haven't had a chance to really take it out yet, but just from the unboxing, the feel of it, uh, it just looks like it's going to be really nice, capable light. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to use the soft dome that comes with it. This little, like a middle mini soft box that goes over it. Oh, that's right. And, like a uh, bottle. It's a little, yeah, it's like cap. a little white silicone cap, right? I'm really excited to take it out. And that's, that's something that we can easily hook up to the drone and use as a, as a light. Oh. As I was thinking about the dune the dune problem is having that, that light up above shining and creating some of the, the contrast in the lines is we can fly the drone up and
0: have it hover with this light shining down and that could be a really cool solution for that problem so gosh i wonder how strong this is i mean i'm hitting it right now i'm in studio so i can turn it on Mm -hmm. it has a really good spread here in the room but i'm not sure what it's going to be like out there
1: yeah and, 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 and as far as the drone is concerned uh we can always raise and lower the drone but uh maybe hooking up three or four of those lights to the drone would be would be what we need, you know. So yeah. they're small enough and compact enough that they really probably would be able to mount fairly easily to it. And it could be a lot of
0: fun playing around and experimenting experimenting with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Now guys, we're not recommending this product. We have no idea if it's any good. It seems It seems like great quality and it's exciting, the potential for it, but we didn't know about this. Uh, We didn't even ask for it. That's the thing I was mentioning earlier is that it's a Sprite of Passage. As a YouTube channel and an influencer out on social media and the way that we have a podcast, I don't know how the awesome guy Andrew over at Lytra found out about us or how he chose us if it was just at random or he looked at recently released videos that do night photography and then we were on a list of four or five maybe he hooked us up and among uh, uh, among others and so Yeah and I
1: know they use the word adventure in their marketing and so maybe they looked up
0: Ah. something
1: and found us i don't know i think that was just uh, <laughs> pretty cool say so, hey we could use some adventure lighting so let's let's give it a shot so it was
0: a crazy morning leaving for oregon and having the juxtaposition of you know i post a comment on our youtube channel said this these kind of videos right here are the reason why you guys only have three thousand subscribers you know that kind of hmm. like punched the gut and then as i'm looking at my emails driving up i see Holy crap, who's Andrew? Why do we have this? Oh, he never said a thing to us. He never actually told Mm -hmm. us it was coming. It was just, hey, your YouTube channel, I'm marketing this. See if you guys want to check it out, talk about it. And, you know, he got what he wanted. We are saying Lytra, we are saying the name. So Mm -hmm. I I feel excited about that rite of passage as a channel. So good job, man.
1: Yeah, and as far as the product's concerned, you know, I really like the fact that um, it's small, like the size of a GoPro session. It's this little tiny cube.
0: Oh yeah. And it's exactly. got
1: threads it's got threads on both the bottom and the back. And so it seems like a really thought out, well designed, you know, very versatile little light. And I'm I'm really excited to, to, to have it, you know, in our bag so we can take it with us and have it as an option because I think we're gonna end up using it a lot.
0: Oh man, I wonder too. It's a little heavy, so we'll just see how that turns out, but I'm excited.
1: But I like heavy when it comes to small objects because that means there's quality to it, you know, a good, good point. battery inside, good housing, you know, so it's uh, yeah. So it looks like a pretty decent product. I'm
0: I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. So thanks, man. Thanks to all of you listening. Just a reminder that we're doing that contest right now where three of you will win a Carson Loomy Loop from us, where you go into iTunes, Stitcher, or Google and give us a review. I will not be able to check Stitcher and Google very frequently enough. I could miss you. And so if you do Google or Stitcher, make sure you let me know, give me your information, say, hey, I'm. You know, I'm Autumn and I did a review for you. So if you see any reviews Mm -hmm. for Autumn, that's me. That's great. I'll put you in the list of people that I'm randomizing who wins those three. So three lucky winners will get a Carson Lumi loop from me and Brendan. And this is so that we can get some reviews out there and help the podcast grow. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. Thanks for staying and hanging out with us again. And we're excited about what we're working on right now. You probably will hear from Mm -hmm. us soon, and I won't say when so that we aren't beholden to anything because more than (laughs) anything, lately I am a liar when it comes to what I think I'll be capable of doing or having availability for. So I'll be be mum on that.
1: But we're excited for the the week into the next week and the next two weeks ahead and uh got some cool stuff coming up guys so we're excited to share those with you and we'll talk to you later and have a good week
0: enjoy it see you guys